You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. We are thawed out, it looks like. Beautiful weather again. Welcome to Atlanta, where uh, one day you need a scarf and a full heavy jacket, and next day it's jorts weather. David, I see you have a, a new pair of jorts on today, and i got to say that it's a, it's a lovely pallor on you. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I... Uh, I don't know, man. Where were you? Uh, you know, I, I subscribed to Market Watch. Um, mm-hmm. It's an email, and they keep you up to date on the uh, stock market mainly, but they also really keep you up on current events. And as soon as uh, uh, Justice Scalia, the reports came out, Market Watch was on it immediately. They just basically give the headline and not a whole lot of details about it. And it was Saturday afternoon or evening. And, uh, you know, I got this email from Market Watch saying Justice Scalia. Um, one of the conservative stalwarts on the Supreme Court, uh, nominated by Ronald Reagan back in, I think, 86 or 87, somewhere 86, in there. 86. Um, had died uh, suddenly, but of uh, natural causes. He was 79 years old. And immediately, it, it, I have this just sense of doom uh, as I realize that this is going to give the most left-wing president in history, the most divisive president in history, the bully puppet, uh, pulpit ability to try to nominate and have 33% of the Supreme Court in his eight-year term. Can you believe – I mean that's uh, – I, you know, I, uh, there, a lot of people are criticizing Republicans for being partisan right now and saying – by you know, being so bellicose and saying they will not even uh, entertain an Obama – uh, appointment or nominee, and I, I I think that this is one time you do need to draw a line in the sand because uh, we are we are in the last year, thank God, of the of hopefully what will be a lame duck presidency. The the people sent the Republicans to the Senate to check the pow the 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 uh, the power to balance out the power of this administration. This argument, what have they done? this are nothing. This is actually a job I think the Senate can win. Congrats, guys. Y'all can actually do something this time. Ladies and gentlemen of the Senate, I mean, y'all can actually win something. My and f- they, need to make a, they need to make a line in the sand. They need to take a stand they, on this. They, if the re- I've never seen anything like the Republicans and their ability to shoot themselves in the foot, no matter what they do. And their statements on this, you know, they should have come out. They should have collectively come out and said, this is a tragedy. We're sorry, but we're going to abide by the law and shut up. That's right. They shouldn't have come out, we're not going to let yeah. it, we're not going to, you know, all this I do think that that was a strategic... Because uh, that's going to come back to bite them in their ass, <laughs> you know. It's going to bite them hard. If they had just said, you know, it's a terrible situation, we're going to follow the law, and then they just do nothing. If right. Mitch has any uh, has a set... He doesn't ever let anything go to the floor. I, I they agree. Just, they keep quiet. They just run they out just the clock. They just follow the law. Just what what I've been do. saying the whole time, run out the clock on the Obama administration. They've got Ted Cruz and Rubio have both come out very uh, strongly against it and saying we're not even going to consider it. And all that is going to do is, is give the, the ammunition 
to the left to show that Republicans only care about things when They're it's divisive. convenient. Although I will say it's interesting to see the, see the convenient constitutionalism of the Democrats too, isn't it? I mean, Obama running roughshod over the Constitution the past couple of years with all these uh, executive orders, many of which were found illegal by the Supreme Court. Now all of a sudden they want to go by the exact letter of the law as original intent uh, with this advise and consent part. Uh, I think it's Article 2. I you know, I'm not a, uh, a constitutional expert. Um, I like the Second Amendment, and I like the first one, and uh, the 21st one, they got rid of prohibition. Those Have you my... seen the clips on your buddy, <laughs> your your favorite, Senator Schumer? Uh, yeah, oh, from 2007? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And here's my question. Back when uh, George W. was a lame duck, the Democrats had just taken over Congress and the Senate. Do you think that they would have allowed George W. Bush to appoint a third justice back then? Absolutely not. And we have a we have a very similar situation now. The other problem, David, I guess, is it, anytime you try to compare this to the historical precedents, this is a time that is unique in American history. This is a time that is unique in recent history where we have a very divisive president who pushed through two extremely horrible laws, Obamacare and Dodd-Frank, which are only now coming to fruition and we're seeing the, the damage caused by them. We have several other issues online right now, including illegal immigration and how to deal with that, some voting rights acts and some, some other ones. If you, if you look at some of the recent Second Amendment decisions, the Second Amendment is just hanging on by a five to four decision. That should strike fear in everybody's heart. The Heller case, uh, and there's, there's one, in, there's one in Chicago and one from D.C. Both of them were five to four decisions. I believe the Chicago one was a hand, a, an attempt by the Chicago to ban handguns, which, uh, luckily the Supreme Court came back with a narrow five to four decision on it. Uh, and that's, um, that's pretty dangerous. The fact that, Activist judges or judges that think the Constitution is a living and breathing document and just needs to go through Constitution 2.0 or version 3.0. That's the terrifying part. Obama has already put on two of the most liberal justices ever with Elena Kagan and Sotomayor, um, and they're fairly young as well. So if he puts an, on another one, he could have 33% of the Supreme Court nominated by the most left-wing divisive president in history for years, for decades. You know, Scalia had been on there for, what, 30 years? These are lifetime, these are lifetime appointments, people. They are never up for re-election. They will never leave until they die or retire. Y'all need to remember that. David, I mean, you've got to be concerned about this potential assault on the Second Amendment. Oh, I'm concerned about the whole thing, and... Uh you know, that's I, I'm concerned about the whole thing and I don't want to get into the conspiracy theory mm-hmm. but it but it is rather convenient. Now, hopefully uh, you know, right now what we have on on the Supreme Court is a situation that we have three, one and four. Three conservatives, one Kennedy, yeah, and four extreme liberals. Right. So, you know, to say it's going to be four and four. Oh, it's not. There could be, know. it could easily be five to three on a couple of these decisions. Absolutely. There's, but there's no need to rush and try to get somebody on there. The Obama at best would be, I mean, some of the names I've seen are, are downright scary. 
uh, Loretta Lynch and the reason the current attorney general. And the argument there is she was just approved uh, 97 to 0 uh, unanimously by the Senate as attorney general. Well, guys, there's a little bit of a difference between lifetime Supreme Court justice and attorney general for a year and a half. Don't you think, David? I mm-hmm. mean, the, the the idea that because uh, Republicans didn't fight her nomination and appointment as attorney general, that all of a sudden they should lay down, uh, that's crap. I mean, that's one of the worst arguments I've ever heard. Also, here's the other argument that uh, uh, Republicans want to make the uh, or allow the voters to have a referendum on the court. The Democrats say, oh, well, we, we already did that. Obama won twice. Well, let me remind you, the Republicans won three times. They have the House of Representatives, which frankly doesn't have a whole lot of say in this process. But we also just won the U.S. Senate, and that was a more recent election than Obama's re-election. So I, 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 can, I can counter your argument that Obama was elected and that is we, the people, giving him another mandate to have 33% of the Supreme Court or the United States and the, the voters – finally gave back control of the Senate to the Republican Party as a way to check the power of this executive branch, of this, I I think, unconstitutional executive branch that's been throwing out orders, doing recess appointments that had been checked in the past by the Supreme Court. And we need to have a Supreme Court that is free as much as possible from politics. Uh, I mean, back in the old days, they were supposed to be umpires and, 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 and... folks that just applied the letter of the law, not this activist court that's tried to change things. And there's certainly been, uh, you know, been threats to the Constitution, but I just pulled it up here. The District of Columbia versus Heller, and then the uh, there was one called McDonald versus Chicago in 2010. And this was, th- uh, th- just a little preface here, those were the first Supreme Court cases to decide whether or not the Second Amendment protects an individual right to keep and bear arms for self-defense. So that was the first time that the Second Amendment had been tested on a, on a personal basis, and it barely won five to four. That should scare the hell out of everybody. That should well, scare the heller out of everybody. Uh, you like that when you they, see what they, I did there? They can't change it. That, you know, it has been written, and they can't change that. Um They can't amend it, but they can amend the interpretation of it, which going forward, uh, I would see that, you know, fortunately, certain states would still maintain a strong Second Amendment, I'm sure. But you look at these other enclaves, the big cities like a New York, a Chicago, a D.C., uh, they've already tried. I mean, this is the District of Columbia versus Heller that's that's uh, trying to say that you cannot. They won't get any place for that. Uh, You know, I I, I do think we're on the verge of... uh, of um, a revolution, and I don't know whether it'll be, you know, it's like some of these, the the Black Lives Matter stuff that keeps coming out. It's all uh, very interesting. Well, I mean, I can see the, the Black Lives Matter movement, I believe, is this year's incarnation of the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement. It's a, uh, a little bit of a response to the Tea Party, but it's a... Um, it's devised by the Democrat, the liberals, to try to gin up uh, ethnic tension, ethnic furor, 
and uh, drive people to the polls. All souls to the polls. That was what everybody said in 2012. And uh, I look at the BLM. I I think part of their uh, case does have some uh, merit. Um, It does seem that uh, there's been a rash of of incidents where it does look like unarmed black teens have been shot by cops. But it hasn't just been a white cop situation. It's been black cops as well. So I... uh, I, I certainly don't think that it's um, it should be as polarizing as they are making it out to be. And I also believe that they have uh, the ulterior motive of trying to be this year's version of Occupy Wall Street, where they turn out as many people as they can. Again, this is going to be a base election, David. And for the idea that the Republicans, by not standing strong and um, in, in allowing the next president to appoint the uh, the ninth Supreme Court justice, one that would replace a conservative stalwart, no less. Well, Obama's previous two had just been replacing other liberal justices, so it wasn't a, a huge change as far as the, uh, the dynamics. But this is one where you'd be giving a far left-wing president the ability to replace uh, a, a, a staunch conservative and somebody that had been uh, in a strict that advocated strict interpretation of the original intent of the Constitution. And, you know, the more you read about what Scalia did, and he changed the argument. He changed the way people look at the court. And uh, I just I, I see a huge danger here uh, to allow Obama the ability, especially when the Republicans actually have a chance to stop him. And I believe they have a mandate from the voters to stop the, the, the to stop this uh, process, uh, but like you said, the uh, the initial reaction probably not the best way to do it. Um, again, you don't always have to react every time something comes up, especially since you know it was within an hour after the uh, uh, Scalia's death was announced. It was I a think, little bit of a. I think a, Cruz made an idiot of himself. Yeah. Well, and Cruz has been going on saying he was going to filibuster things, and uh, Rubio has been just as uh, strong talk. So, I mean, they've all, you know, obviously it was right before the debate the other night. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll circle back to that. I am sure this won't be the end of that discussion. We'll be right back with Duluth artist, nationally recognized artist, Kathy Fincher. You're listening to Greg's List. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. 
What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's is Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's AmericasWebRadio.com. Right now, David, it's my pleasure to have uh, a nationally renowned artist, Kathy Fincher, joining us, and uh, Duluth uh, resident, and uh, just uh, an all-around all great American. Kathy, welcome to Greg's is. How are you today? I'm just great, Greg. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know we had to postpone from last week. You never know how temperamental the uh, Atlanta weather is, and uh, at the end of the day, it's better to uh, <laughs> be able to postpone and not regret being stuck in another snow apocalypse. But uh, it is a true pleasure having you in here today. And I've uh, talked about you on the show before, but um, you know when we were able to collaborate uh, on the uh, campaign kickoff reception for uh, Sheriff Candidate Ben Cowart and Fulton. It was truly amazing to see your presentation that night to uh, Chris uh, Peronto, one of the heroes from Benghazi. And uh, it really, you know, the, your presentation about your Dream Keeper series, just uh, it brought all the website and all the conversations we've had in the past, it brought all that to light. And uh, just seeing it, uh, uh, it live in person was, uh, was an amazing experience for me. So if you could tell the listeners a little bit about your Dream Keepers series and uh, some of the artwork that you've been doing since 2001, specifically, I think that would be a, a really good treat for them. Well, it, it can be difficult sometimes on the radio to to have a visual artist on board, but um, I would love to share with you, and I think the meeting with meeting, um, with meeting Chris and having seen the movie, I do encourage all your visitors, your guests online, if you have not seen this movie, it's a must-see. It was one of the easiest things in the world. I did a painting years ago that I would say is my trademark, and it is literally all over the world. It's in Congress buildings. It's in capitals, churches, and the painting started, the painting was done on 9-11, mm-hmm. and everyone that I've ever met that's an American, they know exactly where they were, what they were doing on 9-11. Mm-hmm. And if you're like me, it ripped my heart out. I lost my desire to paint. I lost my desire to create. I was just trying to understand it. It made no sense to me. And, you know, one of the first ones to express themselves were children. And they started doing artwork. And then I realized, since I'm tagged as the modern-day feminine Rockwell, I love to paint messages for families and children in a Norman Rockwell Uh, style of painting, I realized I had a responsibility. And I literally sat at my easel and stared at this huge canvas trying to decide who we were, why we were targeted, and what would my message be. Mm -hmm. And so 
I went back through the fabric of, of history in America, and I came up with, I felt like, were two things that had to be in the center and the most important element of the painting. And I felt like everything that drafted the Constitution and our history and applies today falls under faith and freedom. So when I thought, well, how, how do I express faith and freedom? So I drew a rectangle and said the American flag represents freedom. <laughs> and I drew a cross because America was formed on Judeo-Christian principles. And I have the cross intersecting the rectangle at an angle. And then I said, now how can I make this art? And uh, other artists were painting children waving flags, and I rarely like to do the obvious. And we, at our church, we I had done a Noah's Ark with children's handprints creating the rainbow. And I thought, well, what if the children are dipping their hands in paint and putting America back together, so to speak, mm-hmm. by rebuilding the American flag? Right. And still had no clue how to get the cross in there. It wouldn't be nailed to a wall. I didn't want it in a kid's back pocket, so... <laughs> I just sort of had to let that hang there for a while. And I started adding children. And any time I paint, I paint so that the children are busy ignoring you, the viewer, and you just sort of want to get in there with them. And so I have two kids busy drawing a big God Bless America banner. I decided a tall step ladder would help with the design. And as I started adding children, I realized that if I painted... <clears throat> A diverse painting with seven children, which is the perfect number, biblically the perfect number, that I would paint seven children to represent the seven continents, which, of course, is what America's made Mm -hmm. from children from all over the world. And finally it dawned on me the way to get light, to get the cross into the painting. I'm going to let your viewers just for a second think about it. What would you do? Yeah, and you, can go to, you can go to listeners. I, you can you go to Kathy. Well, you can go to KathyFencher dot com and uh, pull up some of the uh, the Dreamkeeper series here. Because um, I mean, I've been able to post pictures of the one you presented uh, at the event. But um, yeah, the, it's so a, do you remember how I did the uh, the cross? Um, you know, you, you need to refresh my memory on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I used light. Light is coming from a side window and casting a huge shape of the cross from a window grid right onto the flag and it dissects the states but the thing that made the painting ending up where it eventually ended up was something I was unconscious of you know they say it takes one to paint and one to hit them over the head when it's done (laughs) so my aunt and my mother who both artists they happened to be in the town green of Duluth and so I met there, and I opened up the trunk of the back of my Dodge Caravan where the painting was huge, and I said, am I done? And they go, oh, my goodness, you're done. Now, this is after six weeks of painting every day. Mm-hmm. And this man standing there looked at the painting, and he said, well, ma'am, that, that's a really powerful bloodstained handprint. And because there's literally hundreds of little tiny handprints, I was having trouble deciding which handprint was more important than the next. And he bent over and took his fingers and he outlined on the floor. And the children's footprints walking back and forth had created a perfect 
right handprint. It's as if I had measured every <laughs> finger. And it wasn't until he outlined it that we saw it. Later, my I woke up in the middle of the night and I told my husband, you know what? We're not meant to keep this painting. We're not meant to sell it. It is meant to go to the White House. And my husband, like, passed the salt, said, you're right. And fast forward six years, and um, I get a phone call from John Linder, who was our congressman at the time. And he said, did you want to give this piece of artwork as a personal gift to George and Laura Book or to be part of the White House collection? Because it's been accepted. <laughs> and as an artist, there's always a larger feather in your cap if you have a piece of artwork that's part of the White House collection. Yeah, I he- I've heard that. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> but because it was George Bush's legacy and because of Laura Bush's love for children, it just seemed so right to give it to them. Right. And so I said, well, you know, I'd love to give it to them. And then uh, John Linder said, well, can you be here Friday morning? The president was wondering if he could accept it on Laura's behalf in the Oval Office. And I said, um, I, I think that's possible, <laughs> yes. Can you come to the White House for a presentation to the president? Yeah, you know, we can, can fit that in. Can you come to the Oval yeah. Office? Yeah. <laughs> and I do you know who my next phone call was to? Um, your husband. You would think. No, <laughs> I called my tennis team and said, girls, we're going shopping. <laughs> Well, I know you've taken the tennis very seriously, so I'm sure that was quite the shopping excursion to pick out. Oh, yes, you know, I, I don't even know where you go. Do you go to Dillard's and say, listen, I'm going to be doing this presentation? It's really formal, I would say. Well, what do you suggest? I mean, where do you go? You go to Saks with that? I mean, where do you go to shop for that? I have no idea. Well, I know. Well, my girlfriend picked out high heels. They were about the closest things you could get to lizard skin boots. So, um, you know, I think I think they did pretty good. But, um I know the story's long, but to wrap it up, what an amazing experience we had in the Oval Office. I don't know what sort of time frame you're on, but some of the things he told us there were amazing. But my confirmation that this painting was where it needed to be was I was in a hotel room, and the publisher said, tell the story. Uh, I'm a retired flight attendant with Delta Airlines, so in my eyes, I was just on a layover. <laughs> a really long but, ride. Then it hit me. I'm in New York City on a layover. I need to go to Ground Zero. So the next morning, I got up early. I went to Ground Zero. And one of the uh, policemen there, after hearing my story, arranged for my husband Jeff was with me at the time to go inside the barricade. Now, any of your viewers that were there or saw 9-11, if they were there right after it, or if they were there to see it, you could not see anything. Right. They built a huge wall that looked like it circled the earth around it. There wasn't even a peephole in it. Mm. And there was the church where all of the reeds were, and my husband and I stood there, and we just watched them take the reeds down and fresh ones coming up. It, there was mourning. There was chaos. Uh, depression, morbid. It looked like we had just lost who we were. But let me tell you, when we drove through the barricade and went inside the barricade, it was like a black and white picture. Mm. I looked at the top, and it was as far as you could see in every direction, total rubble. 
it looked like it was just a black and white photograph of the destruction of the earth. Mm. But as I came down, my eyes came down off that mountain of rubble, I saw the faces of the volunteers, and I felt such strength, and I felt such faith and such freedom, and I realized that I had been given the opportunity to meet the real dream keepers. And that's when I realized that this painting was complete and where the name was, it's called The Green Keepers. But I want the viewers to know the story isn't over. I'm in the process right now of making a life-size bronze of the painting for the city of Duluth. It will be one of the largest artworks of city in the country, of uh, bronze of children in the country. And of course, we're hoping George Bush will come. Our goal is to unveil it on 9-11 of this year. So we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. Yeah, well, I'll be. Ex- I mean, I will certainly be in attendance at that. Kathy, we're going to take our two thirty break here, but if you can hold on for a minute or two, I wanted to circle back with you a little bit, and we can talk about uh, the event and about your lithograph process. Where obviously there was one original painting of this, but uh, that you've got certain uh, numbered uh, versions of this, and uh, what else you might be uh, working on. So if you can hang on with us for a couple more minutes, we'll be back on Greg's list. Thanks. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. We're... Uh, 
chatting with Kathy Fincher, a nationally renowned uh, artist here in uh, out of Duluth, Georgia, and uh, amazing paintings. And Kathy, I was kind of reviewing your website here. You have a couple of versions of this uh, this painting, the uh, part of the Dream Keepers series. It looks like there's one where they're painting it on a brick wall, and when I say they, they I mean all these uh, children that are rebuilding the, the fabric of America. And then you have another version of it. I guess this is the one that's been uh, part of the White House collection and was given to uh, George W. And, and Laura Bush that they're painting on a wall inside of a house it looks like so is there how many versions of this or themes uh, do you have on this one well uh, when you're looking at the brick wall that was actually the very first designs for the bronze okay. Ah, okay. So to create my bronze design the idea was that the children are painting a school wall in the painting okay. which is perfect because then I'm able to control light coming from a side window and you know, put the light where I wanted it, which cre- created dramatic lighting. And the crosses. But there, for the so. bronze being outdoors, I decided that they would be painting a wall. But that has even changed, and now they will be painting a window, <laughs> like painting a huge store window. And the, the beauty of that is you'll be able to see through it. And the wall has two columns on either side, and those two columns will represent the Twin Towers. Okay, now with this bronze that uh, that we're talking about, that's supposed to be dedicated sometime, is it September of 2016? Is that what we're looking at? Yes, that's okay. our target. That's okay. what we're hoping so for. So you've got, so are you are physically making this bronze, or are you working with a sculptor to uh, finish this off? Um, I, I have de- I've designed 3D artwork for 12 years mm-hmm. the, the, from my paintings, and those have been sold all over the country. And... Uh, so it's not new to me to work with sculptors. Okay. Um, I also did a um, a bronze of an angel that if you go to the Gwinnett Medical Center, it is in the uh, atrium there. So that was my first life-size bronze. It dawned on me it would be easier to do life-size than to, <laughs> than to do six inches tall. <laughs> and Go so big or I go found, home, right? <laughs> yeah. So I found the perfect sculptor. To work with on this project and he says I will have a cot there and we will be doing it together and we even complete each other's sentences we're on the same page so I'm very excited to find a sculptor that's classically trained which my background is classical drawing and so it will be very realistic of course I hope the quality will rival any artwork in the country of children um, you know I'm, I'm known for my paintings of faces and the problem I had was finding good uh, faces on sculpture so I'm very excited to have this opportunity to work with him and hopefully make a great piece of art and it's, yeah, the, it's just going to be huge the well, wall the bronze, a bronze piece of artwork I mean that's something that will last uh, forever I mean we're, we, you is. still find bronzes from the uh, the ancient Sumerians I believe I mean you can go back <laughs> right. a long You're damn right. time the investors and that are investing in it are very happy that it will be there for uh, a very long time and do you know let me tell you something Greg do you know I have not asked anyone for money the way that I did it was to adopt a child, and people have just stood up and said, I want a child. Every time I went to a meeting, 
at City Hall, one of the councils bought one. <laughs> it's just been such a huge, um, you know, turnout of, of the, the people in Duluth. It's, like when you say when you say that, like like they basically paid for one of the children. That's part of the sculpture. You mean? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. The, um, this is actually my legacy. So this is my gift to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born and raised in Duluth. And Duluth was named one of the top five most patriotic countries, I'm sorry, patriotic towns in America. Mm-hmm. So it just makes sense that I would do it there. Right. And the, and the, the town center there has really uh, developed the, the downtown. There's a lot of uh, small businesses there. So I think it's actually absolutely perfect. And I, I can't wait. But you've been able to find folks. How many children? Uh, is it like the six or seven, basically, that were on the uh, original painting? You're transferring them to the bronze? Um, there are seven children in the artwork okay. that I have added an eighth child, which is makes it larger than any of the bronzes of children I've been able to find. Okay. Um, and I, of course, I took my cost out of it, so the average price of a, of a child is um, has been cut down so that an individual. Uh, We've been surprised at the number of individuals that have bought a child. I'm running it through the Duluth, uh, the Duluth Fine Arts League, and they're actually getting credit for the project. Okay. And it's uh, that's so it's a 401c3. So, you know, it's also tax deductible. But you had asked me about the artwork, mm-hmm. and the and the, what I gave Chris um, was one of the limited edition lithographs. Right. And when the first when it when it came out, a company called Somerset, they created a limited number of eighteen by twenty-four lithographs. I bought the rest of those out when they just before they sold out. I managed to get you know a little stash of them, and I keep that stash for fun, so <laughs> that I can give them to special people that I believe are dream keepers. And so some of my heroes have them. Herman Cain has the Dream Keepers. Um, Eric Erickson. Um, just the uh, Lone Survivor. Just people that I meet that I believe truly, truly stand up for the things that you stand for in your radio show. And so it's always exciting for me. And I appreciated you asking me and providing an opportunity for me to tell the story and to be able to, to give... Um, Chris, a copy of that. Yeah. Well, it just worked out so well that, uh, you know, the confluence of, of events because, uh, you know, you want to have a, a nice uh, campaign kickoff event whenever you're you're trying to get a, a sheriff elected and uh, just the timing of the movie uh, coming out mid-January and uh, me being able to chat with you at length at uh, a mutual friend's wedding, uh, Emily. Uh, night and uh, just uh, you know having the the chance to get to know you and Jeff over the past four or five years, I I just it all kind of came together at once and it was almost as if uh, uh, God had fortuitously put uh, everybody in in place at one time. So I just uh, I, you I, are right about that. <laughs> so. you, and you know God's hand has been in this um, creation of this life size bronze. It's been amazing. Even even one of the contractors that bid on it, his last name is Childs. It's just so, it's just unbelievable how this has happened. 
Well, I mean, I, I guess uh, with the bronze, are you making that after your your house, or are you actually building it on site? I mean, that thing's got to be very heavy. To, 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 you only want to move it one time, right? Um, there's a warehouse in Atlanta, okay. Terry Lyon Studio. Martin okay. Dow All right. is the sculptor, and he did, uh, I'll give you an example of his work. When you're driving down Peachtree and you see the huge Olympian, the huge Olympians holding the Atlas. Yeah. So he did that. That's one of okay. his. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a very uh, high profile yeah. one. So he's so he'll basically build it there. And like I said, this is something that you only want to move one time. <laughs> that's right. It will go from where he is to where that is. But the nice thing about it is the children are individually set. So you're not picking up eight children at one time. You're <laughs> picking them up one at a time. I'm I'm, I'm going to be fascinated seeing this thing actually put together because they. I mean, obviously, you'll probably cover it with a patriotic tarp and unveil it. But I think uh, I think we may need to do a little behind the scenes when you're constructing it on the site. What do you think well, about you know, that? Well, you I'm glad you said that. Tomorrow night, I'm taking a group, and we will see it for the first time, and it it will be with the armament. Okay. And what the armament is, is that we will see the figures more or less like seeing their skeleton. And then we will add the clay to that to make them. So it's going to be, and we can bend and twist and, and change the arm positions. And so there will be, I guess, about between 40 and 50 people tomorrow night that are the sponsors, the Duluth Fine Arts League, and the sculptor is going to unveil the skeletons. <laughs> so when, when you say the skeletons, but it'll be something malleable where uh, you can look and say, you know what, we need to have it a little. So you'll be able to kind of have your influence at this point of the process, I guess, is what. Yes. Okay. Well, I've worked with him and we have completed what's called the maquette. And the maquette is we've made replicas of them eight inches high. Okay. And we did photo shoots of real children mm-hmm. and we made the adjustments with the small ones, and he takes the measurements from that to make the skeletons. Okay. This sounds like just a, a very involved uh, process, and, um, I mean, obviously you picked the uh, the right sculptor. It sounds like somebody that, I guess, believes in the same uh, philosophy uh, as you do and is able to be work in this medium. That's right. We're using the lost wax method, which is the same method used during the Renaissance. So this is truly a classical piece <laughs> of art. That is amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, the, you know, when you say Renaissance, this is, you know, Mike, Michelangelo, and Leonardo, right. and, and Da Vinci, and all that. I mean, that's hearkening back to that. And those uh, those groups, the Renaissance uh, painters, were uh, extremely motivated by painting pictures of, of uh, religious, uh, yeah, persona, personified by religious uh, themes, right? Well, that, that was their major employer. <laughs> the church, right? The Catholic <laughs> the church. church. Yes, matter of fact, my, my hero, Michelangelo, he would have to promise to paint 10 or 12 <clears throat> paintings before they would give him a piece of marble <laughs> that he could work on. So he would barter and paint just so he could get a piece of marble. Well, because I mean, he loves uh, you know, that, that, that's those are the good old days when when artists, you know, we, it, now we have the National Endowment for the Arts where, uh, to me, the uh, the best artists shouldn't need public funding. Right. So. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I don't know that I'm real popular. I rarely get to state openly my opinion. But, you know, people ask me, well, 
What do you listen to when you're painting those beautiful children's faces? I would guess Metallica. They look so inspiring. <laughs> and you listen to Mozart. You listen to yeah. classical music. And I kind of have to just whisper, uh, talk radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they look so peaceful and content if you're actually listening to talk radio. I have to, to turn radio, it off. So. Okay. When Bortz was here, I'd have to turn him off to do the little innocent look on the face. I was going to say, the blood pressure for me would be rising. I'd have like a bunch of like little, little you know, angry kids that would be like, <laughs> Damien and the Oracle, you know, or the Omen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would have to tune it down sometimes. All right. Say, well, listen, um, Kathy Fincher. Yeah, I'm concerned about our country. I want to thank you, though, for yeah, what you're doing. It's a absolute, thank you so much, well, Greg. you know, like I said, I feel blessed to have been uh, able to be in that position where I was able to coordinate several different uh, things at the same time. And, again, I couldn't have scripted it better. Your presentation was uh, awe-inspiring. And uh, check it out, kathyfincher.com. And, again, I, I'm excited excited about uh, following the process and, and the progress of this bronze of uh, such a, a beautiful sentiment and a beautiful painting. Well, thank you so much. And it's Kathy with a K. K-A-T-H-Y Fincher, F-I-N-C-H-E-R dot com. And you can find out more on my website uh, to, to work with or to, to find the uh, website on that. So we'll Great. talk to One you. One quick comment. I bet no viewer has ever said, you've never interviewed and had anybody say this. I want to tell your audience, Greg is really a cutie pie. You don't get to see him, but he is really cute. Well, okay, they do, now you're they, done with Well, I pre- hey, thank you for that, I, and hopefully I don't have to tip you for that part. But anyway, we'll see you soon, Kathy, and it was a pleasure today, and I uh, hope you have a great rest of the day. And we'll be back with our final segment here on Greg's List. Thanks. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. All right, and welcome back 
to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism. Great interview, great segment there with uh, Kathy Fincher, K-A-T-H-Y-F-I-N-C-H-E-R.com, a uh, nationally renowned artist, really probably world famous uh, to some extent, and um, uh, an important part of the campaign kickoff event the other night uh, we had in Johns Creek for uh, Sheriff Candidate in Fulton, Ben Cowart. Um, Kathy did uh, an outstanding presentation to the keynote speaker, Chris Tanto Peranto, from the uh, the book slash movie uh, 13 Hours, Michael Bay film. The movie's done pretty good, David. Uh, it's, uh, I, you know, I haven't even checked this week to see what uh, the box office it was, but it was only a $50 million budget, which <laughs> for Michael Bay is extremely... Uh, I guess fiscally conservative <laughs> for him, but uh, okay. So all right, it's already made forty. It's showing up at forty six point six million dollars. David's been out since uh, January fifteenth, so it's been out about a month. And I think it's one of those movies that's getting the word of mouth, where people see it, they're telling their friends, and it looks like it's you know plateaued a little bit, but still bringing in five to ten million dollars per week. Um, it was not over politicized, very similar to Zero Dark Thirty, the uh, movie that uh, kind of tracked how we found uh, Osama bin Laden. Um, when that movie came out, the director, Catherine Bigelow, in that one had been given unprecedented access to uh, White House details of the search. And a lot of people thought that it would be very politicized and very pro-Obama. The director's uh, pretty liberal herself. But i got to say that movie was very good and had very little politics in it, which 13 Hours has very little as well. It's not an attack on Hillary Clinton and the rest of the State Department that so many of the liberals had feared, but there are undertones in it. Um, I, you know, I've uh, I've read the book, and um, it certainly isn't uh, uh, an assault uh, or a big be a political propaganda piece. It's more of a, a play-by-play, a story, and a lot of people don't. Uh, it's still hard for people to envision exactly what happened that night. But um, you know, I think that connecting the dots. And looking at what Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama did for the the three or four weeks after the event by trying to blame the video, it really does disgust you at every level to think that they would try to do that. And, uh, you know, obviously Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are embroiled in a a heated race right now. Both of them have come out saying that the U.S. Senate should obey its constitutional mandate and um, take on any Obama appointments for the Supreme Court justice. Again, I, I, I just think it's laughable that there are these convenient constitutionalists. Uh, I, I we think know, they should do that as well. You you send me the nominee. Send me the nominee. We'll vote him down. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. Them. Okay. Well, and that's the thing: is Obama going to use Loretta Lynch as some kind of political pawn? Obviously, she was uh, the uh, Attorney General choice and. Ninety-seven zero decision. But I, I think in many cases she's already shown quote in quote air quotes her colors. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, by saying that uh, they would prosecute people that had opinions about importing thousands of uh, unvetted Syrians, by saying that that would be looked at as hate crimes. Um, yeah, I think she's already shown that. Now, she's been a, a lifelong prosecutor, and the Democrats are saying that that should be reason that she cannot be cast as overly liberal. I, I reject that thought, actually. Um, and, and I don't know if you read this thing, David, but there was a conservative that uh, I think that wrote this horrible, horrible piece 
Okay, I Miss Barack Obama, New York Times, by David Brooks. I don't know if you've read this thing, but it was uh, – this guy's talking about how disappointed he is with the current uh, crop of candidates and how he's going to miss Barack Obama and all of his uh, – you know, is nuanced uh, decision making. And one of the, the lines in this, literally the third paragraph, it starts off as this. The first and most important of these things that I'll miss is basic integrity. The mm-hmm. Obama administration has been remarkably scandal free. I mean, I, 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 excuse me. The Obama administration has been scandal after scandal after cover up after scandal after scandal. How anybody could write this with a straight face or keep their pencil straight is beyond me. He brings up, think of the way Iran-Contra or the Lewinsky scandal swallowed years from Reagan and Clinton. Well, let's think about Fast and Furious. Let's think about the IRS. Let's think about Benghazi. This has swallowed years and years and years and the threat against uh, reporters for uh, the the Wall Street Journal. Um, I mean, I, I can't think of a year that hasn't been embroiled by some kind of scandal that they've covered up. When you have the 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 IRS people pleading the Fifth Amendment to not incriminate themselves after they've been caught red-handed, basically extorting conservative and Tea Party groups, that's a very prevalent scandal and a very high-profile scandal. VA and for this scandals? guy, for this guy, the what? VA scandal. The VA scandal. I mean, there. I think we can count a dozen major scandals where the office of the White House was used to either cover up something or promote a false narrative or simply use power in a way that they they never should wield it. Or one of his lap dogs. Or one of his lap dogs. I.E. Holder. So, okay, now, I mean, this this David Brooks guy is supposed to be a conservative. So, he you've heard of him. He's, um, he's fairly famous, but... Uh, I just remember reading this the other day because it was posted uh, on the New York Times as an op-ed, and obviously the Huffington Post wants to to grab it and uh, say, look, this is a Republican, a conservative, saying he's going to miss Barack Obama. Um, I just – I get it. Maybe you're not enthralled. With the candidates on the Republican presidential side, we're down to you know a field of six now. We've got uh, the t- two senators, Cruz and Rubio. We've got several governors, and then we have Donald Trump. Uh, I get it. You're not excited about that bunch. Uh, there's problems with all of the candidates, um, and frankly, uh, if I was John Kasich, I would be a lot stronger about what I did in the '90s in Congress. I would say, do you remember when we had a balanced budget? And we prosecuted lying Democrats, and we had welfare reform. I do. I was there. I, I mean, I would be highlighting that. I, I realize we do have an anti-incumbent sentiment right now, with uh, you know Cruz having only a couple years of experience and Trump uh, having zero experience uh, leading the Republican field right now. They're at about sixty percent, if you believe the polls. Obviously, South Carolina is coming up. Jeb has by far the most. Um, busy email team out there. David, I don't know how many email solicitation lists you have been added to. I'm sure you have several different email addresses. I do. And uh, somehow or another, these campaigns find them out somehow. And it's difficult to unsubscribe from their lists. But um, it, it is annoying to get just thousands and thousands of emails every day. I just delete them. You know, I don't try to 
go online and complain about it. I make jokes about it. You know, I mean, apparently Jeb thinks that his poll numbers will go up the more emails he sends out. I, I send him a thousand dollars each time I get one, <laughs> you no matter who it is. So Dave, it's your fault. It's my fault. It's and your. I, it's your I fault. I send him a thousand dollars and say, "Buy Greg Williams." <laughs> Maybe that's why I get so many of them. Hey, can I regress for one second? Of course. Uh, Thirteen hours. I went to see it uh, the first weekend it was here mm-hmm. and out, and. Uh, I don't know if the right term is enjoyed it, but it was uh, revealing. But my wife and I, my wife went with me, which was sort of strange. But uh, we both, after hearing Chris Pirano, said we want to go back to the movie. Because he, in, in, if so, my point being is if anybody has the opportunity to go and see Tonto, Chris Pirano, uh, in person and listen to him like we did here. Yeah. And, and thank you, by the way. Um, it makes the movie, it clears up a lot of small little details in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as soon as she's back, we're going to go uh, go to the movie yeah. again. And yeah, I thought the, some of the, the details he was given at the end about, uh, and, you know, talking about how honest the movie was, he said it was about 90% accurate, which is extremely, yeah. and this is Tonto, uh, Peranto. So, I mean, they had a lot of uh, influence with the um, the directors, uh, the director Michael Bay and some of the uh, technical uh, directors for the movie. Some of the most poignant stuff I remember, David, was when he was talking about um, I think it was Geist, uh, one of the other guys there that was had part of his arm kind of shot off and was still trying to shoot and was unable to lift his arm up. And it, uh, when you hear those kind of details, you uh, you realize that um, you, you, whatever the book and the movie have tried to capture, you just you're never going to be able to get that sensation of being actually there. And I, you know, when normally I get told people's presentation is more than an hour. I'm real leery. I'm real skeptical yeah. of that. Is just with uh, people yeah, using was, their phones, but I saw very few people playing with their phones during this presentation. Uh, the Q and A was was on point. Uh, you know, just a, a remarkable event. I can see why he's uh, in such demand. Oh yeah, he he was very good, and uh, we thoroughly enjoyed it. And like you said, uh, there wasn't any uh, time went by very fast, and uh, they had our he he had our attention the whole time. He's very good. So if anybody gets the opportunity, then they should definitely take it. Go see um, Chris Parato under any circumstance. Go see the movie. And uh, I think that's going to do it for today, my friend. I appreciate, uh, as always, y'all listening. Thanks again to Kathy Fincher for calling in. Visit her at kathyfincher.com. That's Kathy with a K. And we will see you next week on Greg's List. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.